Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. We're beginning our series in the Song of Solomon called An Invitation to Intimacy. These teachings are carefully thought out by Pastor Michael and the subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples. These teachings may not be suitable for young children. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon 3 verse 6 through 5 1 called Behold, the Bridegroom is Coming. So in the middle of your Bible, you have the book of Psalms, and then you have three books that are credited to Solomon as the author. They're all considered in the genre of wisdom literature. They're the book of Proverbs, which he probably wrote in his middle life, the book of Ecclesiastes, which he wrote when he was older, and the Song of Solomon, or the Song of Songs, which he wrote when he was young. In fact, this comes on the day of his wedding. Let me just say from the outset, this is mature content. Uh, scholars have said that this is probably the most erotic chapter in the Song of Solomon. And yet, as I say that, I'll tell you that it's pretty much filled with metaphor and stuff like that. So it's very delicate and it's not uh, anything that, you know, would be uh, beyond, I would say, PG-13. I know the high school students are here because Pastor Matthew is sick. I'm not going to say that the Lord caused Pastor Matthew <laughs> to be sick, but, but I think it's good that our high school students are here because you guys need to hear what the Bible says about this area. One thing that you need to know is that God is the one who designed marriage, designed your body, designed sexuality, and all that goes with it. He designed the parts. He designed the pleasure that goes with being one with a person. And he designed it for marriage. And he didn't just design it to have children, although that can be a byproduct. But the main reason for sexual intimacy in the bounds of marriage is for oneness. If you're taking notes, write that down. Sexual intimacy is to know a person like you could know no other person this side of heaven. And that's what the Song of Solomon is all about. It is recorded in seven idols, I-D-Y-L-S. These are short songs or poems the best way that we would modernize the idea is it's set in the idea of musical theater. Each of the idols is a song or a poem set in a pastoral agricultural setting with a romantic light upon it. And that's what's happening in the Song of Solomon. Now, it is about a couple, namely Solomon and a Shulamite bride, but it does have some higher uh, spiritual truth. That is, it does relate in some of the verses to the gospel of Jesus and to the fact that Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is his bride. We're going to end today with a time of communion. It might seem a little bit awkward with the content we're going to deal with, but actually, when we take the Lord's Supper, we're anticipating the day of consummation when the church goes to be with the Lord and that, so I think it's a very natural setting for the time of the Lord's Supper. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for all the precious people that have gathered in your name on this Lord's Day. I pray that you've been glorified by what's taken place so far and what will be ahead of us. 
in the teaching of your word. I pray that our ears would be open, our hearts attentive, and that you be glorified in the teaching and the hearing and responding to your word as well. This is a delicate subject, Lord, and it needs careful attention. It needs um, all the grace that we can sprinkle upon it. We all come from a certain amount of brokenness. Uh, Maybe we did things completely the wrong way. There are young people listening who are maybe uh, anticipating the day of their wedding, and they need help in navigating these ideas as well. What to expect? What does God say about sex? What does he say about Marriage. What does he say about the timing of these things and the enjoyment of them? We ought not to be ashamed of what the Bible teaches. Every part of your word is inspired by God and is profitable. And so our prayer is that it would profit us in applying what you have to say, Lord. That we can see that this is an area of life that you have designed. It's for your purposes. And when it's right, it is beautiful and blessed. And I pray that you would bless the time In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Now, a ancient Jewish wedding looked like this. When the groom was preparing to uh, pick up his bride, he would, there would be a day set typically, but he would come at an unknown hour. And so the the bridesmaids would be prepared at the bride's-to-be house, and the bridegroom would come and pick her up. And he would arrive with an entourage of groomsmen, a whole group of people. And he would come to sweep her up, take her into his limo, if you will. And then they would go to the groom's house, the house that he had prepared for the two of them. And the ceremony would take place at the house of the groom or the future house of the groom and bride. They would celebrate. Sometimes the celebration would last as much as a week. But on the first day of the wedding, there would be vows exchanged. It would be very public. And then the marriage would be consummated on day one of the ceremony, on the evening of that wedding day. And then the ceremony or the celebration could go on for many more days. They say as much as a week they would actually celebrate. Now, I've done more weddings than I can count, but I will tell you this, that a wedding has two kind of uh, complementary elements to it. It is festive and joyous, and that's right, and it should be, and it's also deeply spiritual. So when a couple walks to the altar, I'm often up there, and I get the privilege of watching the groom as the bride comes and all of that, and the exchanging of vows, and it's a deeply profound spiritual thing that's presided over by the Lord, witnessed by friends and family, but yet it's also a very festive thing, very joyful. It's a celebratory thing, and there's nothing wrong with the celebration aspect as well. The two come together, and the two come together in this wonderful picture of a wedding day. This is chapter 3, verse 6 of the Song of Solomon opening with what? New King James NIV. Who is this coming up from the wilderness? Like, that's a simile. It's captured in a picture here, like columns of smoke perfumed with myrrh and frankincense with all scented powders of the merchant. Now the question is asked, who is this that is coming up from the wilderness? It looks like there's clouds of smoke or columns of smoke in the distance, yet it's mixed with this fragrant, uh, these fragrant scents. What's going on? 
Well, what's going on is that this is the day when the bridegroom has come to sweep the bride-to-be into his chariot, if you will. It's the day of the wedding. And in the distance, those who have been anticipating this moment can see him coming. And as he's coming, there's the kicking up of smoke in the desert. In the Bible, the wilderness often represents a place of testing or the place of the world and sin and difficulty. But here he comes from the wilderness, if you will, to conquer all of those things and to come and take his bride. And so there has been a patient waiting for this moment. Intimacy in marriage is a great celebration, but it is reserved for the wedding night and beyond. And it should be a healthy, regular area for a married couple. But you are not to start that intimacy until you are married. That's what the Bible says. It is reserved for the marriage bed to be undefiled. Hebrews 13 verse 4. So God blesses marriage and he blesses the sexual union in the context of marriage. And she's been waiting. Everybody's been anticipating this day and here he comes. Who is this new living sweeping in from the wilderness, a picture of our fallen world, like a cloud of smoke? Who is it? Fragrant with myrrh and frankincense and every kind of spice. And so here comes the bridegroom and his coming is obviously comparable, if you've been seeing it, to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus told the parable of the ten virgins. This, these words recorded in Matthew 25, verse 6. At midnight, there was a shout. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Come out to meet him. And there's going to be a day when our great bridegroom comes for his bride. In a, what I believe is a single second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in a darkened sky, and he's going to illuminate the sky and come with all of his angels, and some believe with the church as well. And he's going to come to rescue his bride and to take her to a place that he's prepared. Behold, I prepare a place for you. This is the wedding imagery in much of what Jesus said. Isaiah 63, 1 has to do with the second coming. And it says, who is this who comes from Edom with garments of glowing colors from Basra, the one who is majestic in his apparel, marching in the greatness of his strength? It is I who speak in righteousness, says the Lord, mighty to save. Isaiah 63, verse 1. And so when Jesus came at his first coming, the people were asking during his triumphal entry, who is this? Who's coming? And they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And King Solomon cast a shadow to the ultimate son of David, that is the Messiah. And Solomon, you know, the promise of one who would rule on the throne of David is ultimately fulfilled not in Solomon, but in the greater son of David, that is the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Who is this who's coming? Well, Jesus Christ is going to arrive. The king's arrival will occur. And you can see that it's accompanied with fragrances of myrrh and frankincense. And he's going to have a crown of gold on his head. And his chariot is inlaid with gold. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh are the three gifts that the wise men bring to the child Jesus in Matthew chapter 2. Gifts of a king also to talk about his high priestly ministry and his death for his people. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. What we really need is more monthly partners so the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener-supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. Now back to the Walk in Truth series called An Invitation to Intimacy. The subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples and may not be suitable for younger children. Here's Pastor Michael. Frankincense and myrrh are the three gifts that the wise men bring to the child Jesus in Matthew chapter 2. Gifts of a king also to talk about his high priestly ministry and his death for his people. Behold, verse 7, it is the traveling couch or the love seat of Solomon. Not joking when I say you could render this the love seat of Solomon. And here's what's happening. Solomon, as you've probably seen in some movies, is being carried on poles by some of the mighty men of Israel. And he's traveling in an ancient way in an elevated carriage that they carry on poles. It'd be kind of like an ancient limousine. And this is how he'll come to pick up his bride. And this is a very beautiful uh, piece of furniture. It's called Solomon's Carriage in the NIV. And with them are 60 mighty men around it. You could say the mighty men of David. They're the mighty men of Israel. And all of them are wielders of the sword, expert in war. Each man has his sword at his side, guarding against the terrors of the night. So as the smoke rises in the distance, the perfumes, all of a sudden, what comes into view is the traveling love seat or Solomon's carriage being carried, carried by 60 mighty men. These are somewhat of the groomsmen or the best men of Israel. Now, I've never seen a wedding that had 60 groomsmen, although the wedding of Shane and Natalie Lance did come close. I think, in fact, they had about 59 grooms. No, it wasn't that many. But they had a whole, I think they went off the stage. There was so many in that wedding party. And this is kind of what's going on here. The mighty men, the strongest and the best uh, of Israel are carrying and surrounding the carriage. They say in the ancient world, when you had a wedding day, because there was gifts and money associated with it, that robbers would try to rob the coming carriage. And so there was a need of protection, and these men were practically there to provide that. Now, a couple things I just want to mention by way of application is when you get married, you want the best people around you to witness that marriage and to hold you accountable. Don't just pick people for your wedding party that you know in passing that may or may not know the Lord. 
Uh, I'm not saying go over the top here, but I'm saying you should have core people in your wedding party bearing witness to the covenant. Try to pick the best, the people that know you the best and love you the best. I think that's an important aspect. Something else, you can see that Solomon has provided a really cool limousine to pick her up. When you get married, don't pull up in your beater car that's smoking. (laughs) Mom and dad of the bride are not going to be impressed. Now, let me just say that we all start somewhere, right? You're probably not going to pull up in a Porsche. If you did, you probably came from money, right? We all start somewhere, but we need to provide for our bride. In fact, the New Testament says that those who don't provide for their own listen, have denied the faith and are worse than an unbeliever. Now, when we all get married, for those of you, some of you have the gift of singleness, some of you may be widowed or widowers, and I would encourage you to find refuge in the spiritual application here, or maybe even there may be a future spouse for you. But when we get married, we we all start at ground zero, right? And we, we do the best that we can do to build a life. I had a, a wise man once tell me, Michael, you're going to make more money as you get older. And you'll be, you'll be more stable. And that's been true. And I will just say this. The enemy of this kind of life is laziness. So don't be lazy. If you're a man listening to my voice, your job is to provide for your family. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to provide everything. Sometimes it's a dual income household and all of that. But I'm just saying that this is a call to provide. And obviously, Solomon's got a lot to give, right? I mean, he's a wealthy man. He's a well-to-do man. And he also is giving her protection. I've been told by many, many women over the years that safety and security are a huge part of a woman's uh, feeling at peace with a man. So we do our best to supply protection, an environment where a woman feels safe. And it's more than just that you have a weapon. You can see that these guys are all carrying swords. At Shane's wedding, they all had guns. So that's one option. No, I'm just kidding. They didn't know. But at least I didn't know if they did. But, uh, but here's the thing. I think the, the principle is to provide a place of safety. And I mean safety also from you. Don't be a jerk to your spouse. Don't make them feel like they're walking on eggshells and they never know where they stand with you from moment to moment, day to day. That's unfair and that's not what you committed to. So you do your best to come into the, the relationship and into that love with all the fruits of the Spirit. So King Solomon has come, and it's impressive. King Solomon is identified in verse 9. He has made for himself a sedan chair. Some believe that this could be translated a mercy seat, which is quite interesting. Out of the finest wood, that's the timber of Lebanon. There's no better than the timbers of Lebanon. And some believe that you can see a picture of the cross here. Uh, In verse 10, it says, He made its post of silver, still dealing with the carriage, It's back of gold. You can see gold is included. And it's seat of purple. Purple is a garment of royalty, but it also speaks of the blood of Christ and the gospel. It's purple fabric with its interior, and it's lovingly fitted out or inlaid with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. 
Now, the daughters of Jerusalem are another voice in the Song of Songs, and they're kind of like the bridesmaids. And they've contributed to the vehicle uh, where he will pick her up and they will enjoy the ride to the wedding and, and all of that. And it's been inlaid with love. Love is what holds everything together. The limo can be nice, but if it's void of love, it means nothing. Love holds everything together. You could have very little, but if you have love, you have everything. You could have the nicest things that life have to offer, but if it's void of love, you are nothing. 1 Corinthians 13. And it means nothing. But with love, it means everything. Love is what holds it all together. You've been listening to Behold, the Bridegroom is Coming, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, Chapter 3, Verse 6, to Chapter 5, Verse 1. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is available on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel. Maybe these Ten Commandment teachings are bringing up some feelings you need to let out, or perhaps you have more questions. Go ahead and call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael one more time before we go. Well, maybe all this talk of marriage and love is hurting your heart. Maybe you've gone through a divorce, maybe multiple times. Maybe you've given up on love. Maybe you've just decided, I'm going to close my heart off because I don't want to be hurt again. And you know, when we, because we live in a fallen world, disappointment inevitably comes to each of our lives. We have the highest hope, highest hopes and the the, the best wishes for relationships. Every uh, bride and groom that walks to an altar, I'm sure, had good intentions. But what about the divorce rate? What about the hurt? Maybe you'd say, I think my life is just better if I don't love anymore, if I stay alone. And some of you have the gift of singleness, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to love anybody. You may be that person right now. You're hurt. And and your and your heart is closed off. And I don't think that anybody, including myself, would say, "Well, gee golly, just get over it," or, you know, uh, you 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 just have to uh, pull up your socks and get better. No, I think we'd all acknowledge the reality of the hurt and disappointment. But I would also tell you, it's worth the risk to love again. And sometimes these these hurts in human relationships spill over to our walk with God. Let's be honest. And maybe that's where you're at right now. You're hearing about love and the parallel to the gospel. And you're like, you're, you're closed off to the love of God. That's That would be a tragedy if, if you stay there. You say, well, how can I open my heart to God's love? Look at the cross. 
you know, you may have questions like so many of us do in many different areas of life and in a fallen world. But if you ever want to just remind yourself of what God's love looks like, look afresh at the cross because that's where God put his love on display. And he loved you so much that he sent his son and the gospel's all about you receiving that love, repenting of your sin and trusting him. Do that today. If you don't know the love of God manifested in Jesus Christ, our Lord, tell him you believe in who he is, what he did for you, how he died on that terrible cross and rose from the dead. Trust him today as Savior, Lord, and King of your life, and he will bring true healing to your soul. We've been giving you a number that you can call if we can help in any way, pray with you, help you in your walk with the Lord, help you get going. Maybe you need a Bible. Give us a call, 844-48-TRUTH, during normal business hours, Tuesday through Friday, 844-48-TRUTH, and we'll be here for you. God bless you. So glad you're listening. Hey, tell a friend about what you're hearing, and we'll see you right here tomorrow for more in the Song of Solomon. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with some of the the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for just $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Song of Solomon, chapter three, verse six, to chapter five, verse one, called, Behold, the Bridegroom is Coming. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.